Hello, an editor's note up front. Just want to apologize. Colin had some technical difficulties and his audio, unfortunately, is not the best. Dave had mental difficulties and his take is not the best, but we'll let you be the judge of that. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marks, and Colin. We're having a lot of fun with the podcast and we enjoy hearing from our listeners. We'd love to get some feedback from you. If you'd like to find us on Twitter, you can find us at RealDMC, or you can send us an email at feedback at realdmc.com. We thought it might be fun to just start kicking off the pod with some feedback we're receiving. We're getting a few questions. Uh, Today, we received a question from Mike, who said, I recently listened to your Hudson Hawk podcast, a movie I really like, but most people don't. Marcus seemed to like it a lot more than Colin or Dave. Is it more fun to discuss good or bad movies? What do you think, guys? Is it more fun to discuss good or bad movies? Colin. Bad Definitely bad. Definitely bad. Uh, except, except then you have to discuss movies like Hudson Hawk. It's just awful. <laughs> Such an awful movie. I don't think Marcus thinks it was a bad movie, though. What's your vote, Marcus, on a good movie Hold or bad on. movie? Um, I just had a I have technical difficulties. <laughs> it's like a power that. failure. What's going on over there? <laughs> My lighting just failed me. I think, one, Hudson Hawk was fantastic, and it was a good movie. I think it's good when we have a little disagreement and discussion. So it's nice when a few people like it and a few people don't. The movies that I think that have not done well are the ones that are like highly regarded, like Unforgiven um, and a few others have been like critically acclaimed movies. I don't think we do quite as well at, but. I think we just get a little, we just tighten up a bit. I think that's the problem. Yeah. there. I think the fun movies are uh, good or bad. As long as there's some fun in it, I think they're, they're better. Another great movie, Leonard Part 6. Good podcast. Yeah, that was actually fun. That was that was a good one. Yeah, we actually recently did The Matrix. Uh, that was tons of fun, I think, just because we were all excited about the movie. And it, so it was fun to talk a movie, talk about a movie that we were all excited about. So maybe that's what we're going to go to is movies that we really feel enthusiastic about talking about or movies that are bad. Uh, and maybe today we're going to get both, I, I, I guess. I think, honestly, we should just make every episode about Dune 1984. Yeah, that's, I'm sure you would. <laughs> you know, you need you need the Dune 1984 sub pod. It's just you talking Dune 1984 again you know, and again and again. Yeah, Usul has called a big one. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to the movie for today. Uh, today we are here to talk about it's a it's a heartwarming tale of a physically and mentally challenged man child who finally <laughs> works up the courage to commit his first murder. <laughs> Directed by Tim Burton. Let's you are discuss so off on this one. Uh, directed by Tim Burton, let's discuss 1990s Edward Scissorhands. Change for you, right, Ed? Those things are cool. 
Can I bring show and tell on Monday? From Tim Burton comes the most incredible tale of a most unusual character. Edward Scissorhands. Hold me. By way of general introduction, uh, this movie maintains a shocking 7.9 on the IMTB. <laughs> I, was, I was quite surprised to see that as, a, as, as the overall rating. Uh, and it was made for a budget of $20 million, and it made $56 million at the domestic U.S. box office, $86 million total. So definitely on a budget of $20 million, it was uh, certainly considered a success at the time. Um, critically, I looked at a bunch of reviews for this film, and it was a little split. So I, Roger Ebert and I had a very similar opinion, and Roger gave it two stars out of four. And a couple quotes that he had, so the first thing he did is he was talking about how he was comparing this film to Tim Burton's version of Batman because he said that there were a lot of similarities. And what he said was, even comic characters can make us care, unlike Richard Donner's original Superman, which actually had a heart beneath its special effects. Burton's Batman occupied a terrain in which every character was a grotesque of one sort or another, and all of their actions were inspired by shallow, melodramatic motivations. So that's what he said about this film. And then Ouch. he went on to say, and then he went on to say about Edward specifically, he said, he is intended, I think, as an everyman, a universal figure, like one of the silent movie clowns who exists on a different plane from people he meets in his adventures. One problem is that other people, the other people are just as weird in their ways as he is. Everyone in this film is stylized and peculiar, so he becomes another exhibit in the menagerie instead of being a commentary on it. Well, it's my challenge with this movie in a, a nutshell. So, look, I, 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 well, it's not saying he seemed to be comparing it to like he's supposed to be this guy with powers and like he's like a normal person. He's not. He was created in a lab. He's like Frankenstein's the monster. And and, and he's like, and come on, Ebert. He's not an everyman. This guy is a complete and utter outsider. I I sort of agree with half of what Ebert is saying. The other half, I, I just don't get. Like, what are you looking at? I, I, it's odd because I think, you know, he is this um, creation, obviously very much so different than everyone else, right? He's not even a human. He's some sort of, uh, I think someone said he was a, a humunculus. He's not like sort of, uh, he's not human. He's not a robot. He's somewhere in between. And yet he does sort of represent the everyman because the world that he goes into is really... It's sort of our world, but it is very much not <laughs> our world, right? It's a an exaggeration of our world, and he's an well, he's an exaggeration of a boy, a man, a young man, just not complete. It, 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 it's it's an interesting review, but I feel like he he was a little judgmental, a little too hard on this movie. I think he was a little bit too uh, on the nose. generous by giving it a full two stars. Oh come on. So, look, we're going to have different opinions about this movie, and I'll just say that up front, I hate this movie. Every frame <laughs> of this movie, it, this movie, I tried to watch this movie, and it's torturous for me. It's just, there are, there, are some, there are some movies that simply do not work for you, and pretty much every frame of this movie does not work for me. Is it like Natural and, Born Killers? Well, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. This is not, there's a difference between objective and subjective. Well, let me just say that up front, right? I think that I'll say, you know, Tim Burton, I think, is a is a creative visionary. I think he's probably, you know, a genius, honestly, with all the stuff that he's put together. And he creates these fantastical landscape, really interesting characters. 
it's just not for me. That's really what it comes down to. So, so I think, I think what I've come to realize is that I think Tim Burton is my David Lynch for Marcus. (laughs) Right. Cause I mean, Lynch makes good and interesting movies, but Marcus, you don't like those movies, right? Not really, but I don't like. Neither do you. I was going to say, Lynch is definitely more of an acquired taste, whereas I don't think Burton is that, he's not pushing the envelope that that much. True, because I think he fills a niche that a lot of people actually enjoy, and I respect. I don't particularly love it. I know uh, one of our friends, Mark, really likes a lot of his work. And yeah. I can see that, and I can respect it, but... And Dave, you know, like, it's not my, this is not my favorite movie either. It's not my favorite um, Tim Burton movie, but, but I respect it. And I actually enjoyed it it more than I thought I was going to, but it's not a movie I want to watch over and over again. For me, it's not a movie I ever want to watch again. (laughs) It's an art style, right? You can say like, oh, that's just not a style of art that I like. And this is very, his is very like gothic and, and comedic uh, styles that he includes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm not, I mean, objectively, I would say this is a really interesting movie with a lot of very extremely creative production design, some great colors, some great visuals, some really interesting character design. Those are all true statements about this movie. And so objectively, I think this is actually a pretty good movie. Subjectively, for me personally, it just does not work at all. And it's just, I tried to watch this movie and I had to take it in 15 and 10 15 minute chunks and then i had to stop i just had to like go away for a little bit and come back and then go back to it and this is just and i and i started making a list as i was going through it i'm like what are why are these things like what are the triggers in this movie that are just not working for me and i have a i have a list of bullet points in front of me that i'd be happy to review really quickly if you'd like i I would actually yes please i'm curious okay so the first thing is stories about manufactured people don't like them for whatever reason they creep me out pinocchio like i have a long-standing Strong dislike for Pinocchio. Hate anything Pinocchio related. Just one example. Hmm. Don't like it. Well, Not sure why. I'd love to dig into that a little deeper later. Uh, let's see. Man children. Don't like man children as a, as a genre at all. Totally creeps me out. For example, I've never seen the movie Jack with uh, Robin Williams. I saw that trailer. I'm like, oh, there's a movie I'll never watch. How about Big? Uh, I have big on that list. I'm like, you know, I mean, yeah, big is fun, but big is also just there's something slightly creepy about the man child for me. It's not not my thing. Okay, but he's actually, he's not a man child, though. I I want you to continue, but I just want to interject a a complimentary review because I think this is sort of why, you know, a lot of people are taken in. So this is Mark Lee of the Daily Telegraph. He gave it five out of five stars and he said, Burton's modern. Uh, fairy tale has an almost palpably personal feel. It is told gently, subtly, and with infinite sympathy for an outsider who charms the locals, but then inadvertently arouses their basic instincts. And to me, that part of the story I I find very engaging. I don't necessarily love the way this, you know, charming outsider looks, but I go with it. So my next bullet point was the overall design aesthetic, which is, you know, sort of that gothic or steampunk thing. Um, not my favorite, just in general, right? Sort of the over-stylized Agreed. kind of uh, gothic look. It's just, it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, uh, movies that contain, you know, exaggerated casual responses to weird things that are happening. In this case, it's like, oh, oh, 
This dude comes in, he's got scissors for hands, and everyone's like, oh, hey, Ed, it's nice to see you. Have some <laughs> potato salad. I just find that annoying. Uh, so uh, pastel colors or garish colors, just where the landscape is just painted with them, that's all over this movie. Lots of, you know, these pastels, so I don't like it. Um, Conchata Farrell, specifically as an actor, and maybe her voice. I don't know what it is about her. She was on LA Law in the 80s. I used to watch it. <laughs> maybe something happened. Maybe I was beaten during watching an episode with her on there. But she is an actor when she comes on the screen. Just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, 70s anything. So 70s furniture, phones, all that sort of. the. Just it, I just think it's gross. It's a horrible period of uh, design history. <laughs> can, I, can I ask a question I, I, here? Yeah. What, what, what happened in your childhood? <laughs> <laughs> Who stole your imagination? No, no. Let me just, I'll just keep going, right? So, uh, uh, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp's weirdness, right? So, I think Johnny Depp's a good actor. Uh, when he does the overly weird or goofy stuff, it's not for me personally. And unnecessarily complicated machines that do very little, like in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the big machine in the beginning, or in this case, you know, a uh, a huge conveyor the belt that is making it's, cookies. It's, it's the Rube is, Goldberg machine, and I agree. It's 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 annoying. Uh, it's I just it's it's just you know why spend all that time <laughs> building something like that if it's you know just like with with feet like moving it along. It's just it looks goofy, and I don't like it. You, it just, you know who you sound like? Me. The <laughs> guy who beat up Tim Burton in high school. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. I'm just I'm again. This is just okay. I'm just it's. I was trying to figure out like what is in this movie I don't like. Uh, um, religious zealots. So there is a woman that you know doesn't play a big role, but she does show up in this film. She reminds me a little bit of uh, Mrs. Carmody from The Mist, right? I don't like it when you have somebody that has a a religious sort of zeal that is being used to drive some sort of a moral point home. Uh, taking advantage of mentally handicapped people to for- and forcing them to commit crimes. That's not a genre that I really enjoy. So two two movies that come to mind. So uh, Good Time with Robert Pattinson recently, where he had his brother rob a bank. Or the classic I Spit on Your Grave, where uh, a group of people get somebody else who's mentally handicapped to participate in a rape. Not a fan of either of those. Not not great. Um, and then the last thing Can't I would say argue is character with that, t- honestly. Right. <laughs> so, and then the last thing is that character turns without the proper setup, right? And so, in particular, the Winona Ryder love turn, it just comes out of nowhere. I, I do and so agree. I'm, I, I do agree. There's yeah, absolutely... That one is a little... I'll agree with that. It's forced. Yeah, so that's just... I mean, and, and so the... I would say that there are... Characters that exist in this movie, but you can't say many of them actually have an arc. You, you, honestly, you know what else I believe? What? Or, or I, I'm sorry, what I don't believe? Winona Ryder with blonde hair. I mean, come on! Yeah, it doesn't look right. <laughs> I guess honestly, but yeah, it's uh, there's lots of stuff about Tim Burton joking that it was fun to watch her, you know, come to the set as a blonde cheerleader because that was definitely not her personal. It was stuff, like, yeah, so. well, yeah, it was like in, antithetical to her whole personality and being yeah so anyways so you put all that together and i'm watching this movie and it's just you know like kitschy wacky it's just it's this is so not for me me, and so let me ask you a question do you do you like any tim burton films because this this one sort of is might be like the ultimate tim burton film well so i like Ed Wood for sure, like that. That I think is fun and well made. Uh, Beetlejuice, I want to go back and look at because I, you know, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I know I think he's actually making a sequel to it, and I recall really liking it pro- probably because of uh, Michael Keaton, honestly, because I am a big Michael Keaton fan, uh, and maybe Batman Returns. But I will say that when we were doing our year in review, I went back and watched the original Tim Burton Batman, and I would challenge you to go back and watch that film today and see if you still 
would consider yourself a fan. Well, uh, I, you don't a, need to challenge me because if you listen to our podcast, yeah, no, it's not good. It, it was a tough sit it's, to get it's through tough. that, honestly. It is tough. So, there are good moments, but yeah. there's a lot of bad moments as well. I think it's tough, though, too, because the, the, the genre has been changed so much of superhero. Agreed, because of Nolan. Totally like, agree. When it came out, it was that's sort tough of to compare. It was revolutionary in terms of the um, yeah. the, the superhero mo- movie. So yeah. yeah, this movie is it's nails on a chalkboard, man. It just drives me nuts. I mean, it, it drove <laughs> it, this. My, this movie drives me batshit. Like I like I cannot I cannot take the idea of having to watch this movie again. I don't know what it is. I think it's all of it together. It just it's seriously. And I was I'm not even hyping this up for the pod. I was thinking, oh, it'd be fun. You know, I could come in and have some, like, play some sort of a, a role and, and be the antagonist against you guys, but it's all genuine. I really dislike this movie. <laughs> all right, well, you know, Dave, if you want to just sign off and Marcus and I can talk about the rest of the movie, I mean, feel free. Uh, it's fine. No, I'll have some positive things to say about it. Again, I think he's an, you know, an amazingly talented filmmaker and a, a genuine creative visionary and somebody who has put a stamp on Hollywood. So you, you like and respect Tim Burton. Absolutely. Like I said, I, I think he's a freaking creative genius, 100%. And, and yet you mock the on-screen personification of Tim Burton in this movie. I'm not mocking it. I'm just saying I don't connect with it. And I and I think it's annoying Well, there's a little shit. difference like, between not connecting with something and, and absolutely hating it. Yeah, it sounds like call, calling Edward Scissorhands mentally challenged. It seems like you're mocking him. No, I'm, I mean, I'm just, I mean, it's, he's a man child, right? Because, uh, okay, he's stunted. Would you, would you, is stunted a better well, yeah, way he to represent would, he, Well, he grew I, up in a mansion. He was created and has no contact with anyone else in the entire world until this moment the Avon lady comes and drags him out of there. No, here's the thing. And I, I kind of under, I, I understand, you know, what he was going for here, right? It's a, yes, it's a, and it's, it's a, it's a commentary on isolation, you know, the scissors on his hands forcibly distance him from others in terms of being able to connect. I get all that. I understand what the message is. It's just that, you know, what it comes down to is it's some guy like in BDSM slash Robert Cure, you know, cosplay walking around with big fucking knives on his hand. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. So I, I don't think he's supposed to, like he is supposed to stand out. It is supposed to be ridiculous. Like it's not intended to be reality. The whole thing's a fantasy, right? Uh, I understand that this came from a character that Tim Burton drew himself. That was his inspiration for the character when he created it as a as a kid. And he had a difficult time in high school. I get all that. That's fine. It doesn't mean I have to like this movie. Marcus, did you like this movie? I did. I was, I was quite surprised. I hadn't seen it in quite a long time. I kind of expected not to like it, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the... Everything that Dave disliked, I liked. <laughs> I'm a big Tim Burton fan. <laughs> I thought it was quite charming. I think it was better told than I remember. It was a nice kind of fairy tale, bringing him down and him. Like, I don't know if he has a, a great arc. He's just trying to fit in in the world. And that's all he's trying to do. He has no arc, dude. It's, 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 not, just, a, it's not a complicated story. And I enjoyed it for that. I enjoyed the the the, uh, the suburbs, the look of the suburbs. It's kind of quite different than, uh, than say, because this is, what, 1990? And so we we've been fed a healthy dose of the L.A. suburbs of Spielberg in this like, kind of idyllic place. The dark side of the suburbs. No, no, because this one's not that no, dark. No, not not the dark side, but like, maybe the like, the stuff that you don't think about that, you know, there's always yeah. the good and the bad, and this is kind of the bad of the suburbs. 
It's like the, yeah, the satire of it to some yeah. degree also. Like all the dads come home right at the same time and right. all the wives are going back and like, you know, all right. the colors. It's, it's, Each it's house has all the colors and stuff. Banality of the suburbs. Uh, well, okay. How about this? Since you guys just talked about it, do you remember the first time you saw this movie and what your initial reaction was? Yeah, well, the only reason I went to see this movie was because of Winona Ryder. Yeah. I think I was looking forward to it because like Burton was on a good run. He already done Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which was... I think I liked it at that time too, but also Beetlejuice and Batman. He was like well known. Johnny Depp was doing Twenty One Jump Street, so he's well known. Winona Ryder was definitely like at at her peaks, with you know Heather's and Beetlejuice just came out too. So I think I was really looking forward to it. This dude's got scissors for hands. What's what's up with that? I did have one of the questions is like why not just take off the the finger extensions that are the knives because you can clearly see the the hand glove as he's <laughs> moving around so. <laughs> Why not just cut him down a little bit? I don't know, but that's that's fine. Um, so how about Tim Burton as a director? Anything else you would like to say about Tim Burton? I'm not a big fan, honestly. I, I mean, I liked Batman, uh, although it, it has not aged well. Um, I also love Ed Wood. I mean, I, of the all of the Tim Burton movies, that one is my favorite, which is really sort of interesting because it's probably the outlier amongst the least his the least tim burton movie. yeah yeah right yeah, even though it does have you know johnny Depp as the, as the lead it, it's really and i don't even think he wrote that movie i think it was offered to him and he and he snapped it up oh i don't i don't know if he wrote it or not yeah like i Wee's big adventure i liked but it's not something i'd go back to beetlejuice sort of the same watched mars attacks once Planet of the Apes I did not like. And then I sort of, after that, I think once we got into the 90s, I just sort of stopped watching Tim Burton stuff. Not to say that he's bad. It's just, he's not really my cup of tea. Well, he does have a movie called Big Fish that I've always been curious about, honestly. So if I I was going to go back and watch. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. Was that that good? I I liked it, yeah. It's a little bit like, a little more fantasy. It is more fantasy. I remember. It's not very gothic. It's just a, a bit fantasy. I liked it. Uh, I also liked uh, Big Eyes, which he did recently, like within the last five, six years. Um, but those are very different movies from his typical, like, 80s, 90s movies. Yeah, there was a Dallas in Wonderland stuff and the, the Johnny Depp version of the Willy Wonka thing. No, thanks. You know, you know I, I tried to, I, I watched part of the Willy Wonka thing, I think, with the kids at one point, and it's just too, it's, it's just too much. <laughs> I got It's not bad. <laughs> we watched them both with the kids and the, uh, I enjoyed them. They weren't like they're not great, but they're they're fun. But I've also like definitely Nightmare on Elm Street's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like it's definitely in my top ten. Um, so I really Wes enjoyed. Wes Craven directed that though. No, he didn't. Someone else directed it. it wasn't Wes Craven. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. What yes, did I say? Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh my! That's funny. I thought you were making the Johnny Depp. You're like, oh, that was my first time I saw Johnny Depp get sucked into a bed and then blown into the ceiling as a pool of blood. Did anybody see Sweeney Todd? No, I haven't seen that one or the other. What's the Sleepy Hollow? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, Sleepy Hollow, I I will say that I enjoyed. That might be my favorite Tim Burton film. And it's only because when I'm watching that movie, all of a sudden, when the decapitations start, it it really goes overboard. (laughs) So (laughs) it catches you off guard. And uh, Christopher Walken makes kind of a fun villain (laughs) in that, so... Yeah, I yeah, did like uh, I did like Sleepy Hollow. No, but I've been a I've been a big Tim Burton fan. I did a trip. I planned a trip 
to New York around his exhibit. He had a Momo exhibit there, which was uh, really cool. He's, he he brought out a it's a huge like retrospective of all his like drawings and artwork and all the stuff he's done from different movies and he's collected all his drawings from when he was a kid. So he's able to show all these different things from across his age. And Dave, you'd probably hate it, but it was a great exhibit. Actually, I don't. I bet I. I bet I would find it really interesting because the fact that he has such, he provides such, or goes into such detail in terms of how he creates the stuff that he does. And I actually like some of his artwork. I've seen his artwork and I enjoy it. It's just that <laughs> I don't like his movies. His movies are just his artwork moving. So that that's what I think is so weird. Yeah, because I would have I would have thought that you would have liked it because. You know, here's a kid who I think would have really respected, you know, a third grader making a diorama of the movie Wolfen. You know, I really. <laughs> and so the time, I think the there would have been some. I think you would have been good friends with Tim yeah, Burton. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like he, this is a guy who started his career in animation at Disney. Like once he finally like got through and made a feature film, which was his first feature film, which was Frankenweenie. Disney fired it him. Feature. It was a short. It, it was, was a sh- short. It was short. Well, they fired him. Yeah. Disney fired him. Yeah, yeah. So, so for Black Cauldron, he was a conceptual artist. So he's supposed to come up with all of these ideas for the look of the movie. And he did over like 200, 300 drawings. And Disney rejected every single one of them. <laughs> right, right. And this is the thing. Like, ultimately... Like, this they, is not Disney. <laughs> no. And ultimately, like, he did Frankenweenie. And it got, it got... It was produced and everything. And they fired him. Yeah. And, they, and the pretext was that he was spending too much of the company's resources on a film that would be too dark and scary for children to see. Like, this was the, always the thing with him. It was like, children cannot watch this. And so, yeah. and, and, that, and that's Tim Burton. He's like, yeah, he's an amazing, he's got an amazing imagination, but he he's just sort of, you know, dark. he leans dark. It's not like it's yeah. really dark, but it's, well, which I think I call bullshit because I think kids would actually really appreciate this sort of shit. Yeah, so I'm saying like he he drew this stuff when like that when he was a fifth grader or whatever. Like it's not, yeah, yeah. Like, he, what? That's a, what I really like about his work too because there's always like a whimsy and kind of fun to it all. It's not right, like this right. really dark gothic like really you know. His is like gory, well, gothic, bloody, like, whimsical gothic fantasy is sort of what yeah. I would describe him as, right? Well, here, let me ask you this. Do you guys like Terry Gilliam films? No. Sort of. I appreciate them, but I'm I'm not, like, drawn to them. Yeah, okay. I think that yeah. aesthetic's quite different. That's like, has, like, a grosser, wetter, like, disturbing <laughs> edge. You had me at wetter. <laughs> well, I just, the I have a similar reaction. Very distinct. I, I see less fun in the, it's just, it's just different. But I, I see what you're saying there, the comparison yeah. to that. I mean, I just, you know, again, I think the dude is insanely talented, visionary, one of the most creative and interesting people working in Hollywood today. Honestly, I have nothing but tremendous respect for the guy. It's just that in this particular, and I think he's an artist, I think he's a genuine artist, but it just is not art that I connect with. That's really what it comes down to. And that's okay. So getting to the cast. So Johnny Depp obviously plays the titular hero here. And I did, I did, he did actually, at least I know, model the character's hair on Robert Smith. Like he, that's at least was in the, the trivia notes of some things that I read. Um, I did see a whole bunch of names that were actually thrown out there as potential other people that were interested in playing the role. And one, one of the things I thought was kind of funny was Tom Cruise was one of the names that was mentioned. <laughs> Can't really necessarily see Tom Cruise in this role. Here's the thing. 
I, again, I actually think that Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, I think they're a great pairing, right? I think they have the oh, perfect sure. energy for each other. I think it's, you know, Johnny Depp could be his muse or whatever. That's, yeah. Can, They've made six movies together or something like that. Can, can, like, can, we, all, the they worked. can we all agree that Tom Cruise has his niche and it's a pretty wide niche, but there's a niche that he just does not do well. And um, probably comedy, fantasy and comedy or do not. No, they just do not apply. Yep, I agree. So Tom Cruise is the studio's choice, right? And and Burton didn't he did not want it, but he he sort of went through the the motions and he said like, okay, well I'll talk to him. And apparently, um, Tom Cruise asked for a happier ending. I think that was like, okay, <laughs> no. He, and he also he apparently he asked a lot of odd questions like, how did Edward go to the bathroom? How did he live without eating all those years? So it, it was like, I think. Tim Burton was going. You're you're overthinking this, dude. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. You 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 can't be this character. Yeah. By the way, did have the same question about Edward and he's <laughs> eating all the food. Where's it going? <laughs> so. Well, interesting. So, Dave, you seem to have something in common with Tom Cruise and Tim Burton. Hmm. That, that might hmm. be the only thing. Hmm. Well, how would you like? How would you like Tom Hanks or Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman would be actually fascinating. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. He, he, he found the story to be absurd. It is absurd. But although he's, he did say that after watching literally two minutes of the completed film, he completely understood it. So, yep. Yeah, I think him finding Johnny Depp, and I don't know how that happened because Depp was just doing Jump Street at this point. So. I've heard different things like they were friends or they or he he just really like he knew who Johnny Depp was, but he didn't know what 21 Jump Street was. I don't really know, but somehow they, he knew and he wanted Johnny Depp for this role. And I have to say, I know we're going to move into Johnny Depp, but uh, Johnny Depp... Are you talking about Johnny Depp? You're moving into Johnny Depp? <laughs> no, I said, well, I know we're going to move into Johnny Depp, but Johnny... Oh, we we are talking about Johnny Depp. I think we're here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. At some point, can we also talk about Tim Burton? <laughs> Yeah. Is that cortisone? Was it cortisone? I think it might be the cortisone. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing because Depp was not known before that. Like, I mean, Jump Street was pretty big with Greg and Depot. Greco and Depp. Depp and Greco. Depp and Greco. Greco and Depp. But they weren't like, they weren't stars. They were just TV stars. No, right? I mean, well, like, Johnny Depp was like a teen heartthrob at that point. Yeah. But he wasn't like a, a, a movie star. Like no, he wasn't no, like he was he just a straight became. up TV star, teen heartthrob. Yeah, he was like Kirk Cameron or someone, right? Yeah. I think when he's asked to do with the role, I think he does it very well. That's what That's I was going to say. say. Performance. He, he's, yeah. he is really, really, really good in this. And he does he a lot with his face and with his with his um, his movements. He does not say a lot. He, was he I think yeah. he said 169 words in this yeah. movie. He really does a lot. He expresses so much just through his facial expressions and his body language. Yeah, I mean, I was 100% buying that Johnny Depp was mentally challenged when I was watching this movie. Like, was so <laughs> uh, I don't think he's mentally uh. challenged. I mean, I did have this question about, you know, if you're going to build a man, um, why is the last thing that you build his hands? I mean, you think that the brain would be the most complicated thing to uh, to build for him, he needed his lettuce. Sell. He was still making lettuce. He was. So he yeah, still he needed was, the guy to chop the lettuce. 
His heart was a cookie. So you're saying that the inventor was just, he was like a vegetarian? Maybe. I think he just ate lettuce and cookies. (laughs) Did he give him a penis? Uh, Let's save that for the questions. Questions to be asked later. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. So we can maybe move on to Winona Ryder as Kim. A fine performance, I guess. Uh, I think the character arc in this one is the problem. She goes from being, you know, an antagonist towards Edward to having a moment of guilt because they involve him in a robbery. And then uh, 15 minutes later, she's in love with him. So it's just a, it's, it's a very strange character arc. They had built it over, I think it wasn't that abrupt, but they tried to build it a little bit because she'd notice him like doing things here and there. But it wasn't, her role was quite small. Like she didn't enter until, what, 45 minutes in or something? Yeah. I, I expected more out of it. I don't, I don't know if it's really a love story or just like my first friend. That, that's the thing. It's 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 a sweet it's a sweet love story, but it, as a love story itself, it sort of just sort of comes on at the very end. Yeah, uh, I think she's I think she's quite good in it because she she really has the ability to um, emote that way, and so when it happens, I buy it. But on paper, I don't really buy it. But, th- I mean, ultimately, it's really just about the character and, well, you know, like, what does Kim do? She leaves her jock boyfriend to be with Edward, which a lot of people have said that, you know, that's basically Burton's revenge against jocks, which he encountered as a teenager in high school. So I sort of get why the character does this. Do I buy it? No, <laughs> but eh, I'll go with it. It's fine. Yeah, so uh, so you have Diane Weist, and uh, so she plays Peg. Uh, she's great in this movie. So, I, I, you know, she is... One of the things I was kind of surprised about was she looks very youthful here. And, and what I'm trying to figure out is, did they make her look more youthful in this movie, or did they make her look older for The Lost Boys? Because when you see her in The Lost Boys and then you see her in this film, she looks, she looks a lot different. I, I don't know if I can answer your question, but I do have a hot take. I think Diane Weist is hot in this film. <laughs> I do. I think she's given. I think she's given Noni a run for her money. All right, we got a Diane Weiss thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the pillbox hat. I don't know. She is one of the top suburban moms in the in all these movies. Her and like Mary uh, Steenburgen, like are the top another ones. one that I have a little thing for. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so you have Anthony Michael Hall as Jim and. I do really like this performance from Anthony Michael Hall. I mean, it's it's one note dick, but it's just kind of fun to see him in that role because it's not what you associate. And when you look at him now, like, for example, when you see him in Halloween Kills, you know, he looks a lot different, right? He's he's definitely, he's a he's an older, bigger, different guy. And so... 30 years later, we all look a bit different, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I look a lot different, trust well, me. Well, yeah. I, you know, the first time I saw this movie, I saw him and I was like, who the hell is this guy? And I was like, oh, it's yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. Like, Holy shit, like how much bigger did you get? Yeah, he played uh, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, and he's like, fuck this, I'm not playing a dweeb again. I'm hitting the, yeah. I'm hitting exactly. the weight. Exactly. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he really filled out. The one thing that's funny to me is when he's standing next to Winona Ryder in the picture of the two of them together, because I guess she's 5'3 and he's 6'1, and she looks like a hobbit next to him, like in terms of the... <laughs> the <laughs> do, do, do not so. call Noni a hobbit. No, no, that's said with love. She looks small, how about that? Right. So. They, they auditioned Crispin Glover for this role, which I think, that, that, that could have worked as well. Oh, he would have been 
too weird. He would have been a great Edward Scissorhands, probably. Yeah, Actually, yeah, you're that, right. That lead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, then yeah there, he, I saw a lot of other names that were thrown out for this role. Uh, you have Alan Arkin. So he, he's playing the, the, the dad. He's my acting MVP in this movie. I love <laughs> Alan Arkin in this movie. That's one thing I will say. I had a great time watching him because he is this just somewhat it's a i think it's a commentary on a slightly disconnected dad <laughs> like that's that's what i'm feeling right, here, right? he's very it's, it's a, yes. clueless he, he's a little checked out yeah. right and he's you know and some of the stuff it's like hey ed where are you going when ed's like running away <laughs> down the street just uh, <laughs> his daughter I, just I gets really assaulted like, in the backyard and he's just like on christmas day in the morning get the hell out of here Honey, like I was just putting up lights. What? Where is that yeah, going? <laughs> it's just like, dude, really? Are you? Even, Alan, are you paying yeah, attention a, he's, he's at a all? Ton of fun in this movie. But he, I, yeah, I did enjoy Alan Arkin. I, 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 I have to agree. He, he was quite good at this. Uh, and then just a shout out for Vincent Price as the inventor. So this is his last film role. And one of the trivia notes I read, I'm not sure if it's true or not, is that one of the shots that you see where Vincent Price is laying on the ground was because he actually passed out because he was relatively old at that point and the the heat from the lights got to him so i don't know if that's true or not but it is interesting that this is his last performance uh, on screen (laughs) well that's just fucked up yeah when i know that you know tim burton was a big vincent price fan he watched a lot of the horror movies growing up i also did as well so i you know i watched a ton of those the vincent price you know creature features and all the you know the vampire stuff back in the day so uh, always happy to see vincent price do you hate tim burton because he reflects you (laughs) <laughs> I don't hate Tim Burton. I, I like, I, like, I, I like and respect Tim Burton. <laughs> I like and respect Tim Burton. I just do not care for this movie. Yeah, yeah I, I like the fact that Tim Burton specifically wrote this role for Vincent Price and that he was able to yep. do it. This was, in fact, his, his last major role. And then he died. Yep. Dave said that twice. Yep. <laughs> Marcus, did you know that Vincent Price died? <laughs> I, I heard that. Second choice, in case Vincent Price died before the movie production started, Leonard Nimoy, which I think is a really good choice. Yeah, that would have been a good choice, actually. Definitely. All right, should we get to uh, some opening questions? Do we have opening questions? Okay, sure. Um, Is this a Christmas movie? (laughs) Uh, No. Really? Because it came out at Christmas. It, It takes place at Christmas. And there's snow. And there's lights. Edward is kind of like Santa Claus. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I, know. I agree. No. It's probably not really a Christmas movie. No. What about Die Hard? No. No. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. It no. is now. You need, you need Christmas magic to be involved. It's, it's Christmas, Theo. It's a time for miracles. <laughs> Why do you have a wrapper around this movie? And what story is she telling her grandchild? Well... Why, why set it up this way? Like, what is the... You because know, it's a fairy like, tale. Because the movie itself is like, a oh, fairy tale. Oh, I remember when I had a boyfriend and the guy with the scissor hands murdered him. That was fun. <laughs> right? I mean, like, what, what is the... You're a I terrible mean, storyteller, dude. What, what, what is the point of the story that she's telling her grandchild? <laughs> Look, I just read a bunch of German fairy tales and they were not exactly, uh, you know, like positive. So it's just a fairy tale. It's a, it's a fairy tale... It's a little innocent love story. It's about an outsider who's, you know, who's not quite human, uh, but maybe is more human than the rest of us. (laughs) I don't 
I don't know. What I didn't like was using Winona Ryder in like all this makeup. I just don't buy the whole thing. It's her voice, I think. That's the one thing I didn't really appreciate. Yeah, the funny thing is I forgot about it like be- before I watched it. I watched it again and then I forgot about it until you just mentioned it again. Oh yeah, they did put a wrapper around this. Yeah, so there's yeah. a wrapper so you know she's like, "Oh, like our our neighbor Joyce tried to rape the mentally challenged oh, boy on, in the dude. back of the salon, right? It's, I mean, I think she left that part out. Come on, yeah. <laughs> I think honestly, I think it's just the payoff at the end with the snow. That's it. But even oh yeah, okay, uh, okay, and then actually, so what is the main point or message of this movie? That's my last question. Edward's just trying to fit in. He's trying to find a friend. He's trying to find where's his place in the world, and he can't find it. It's a hard thing to do, and I think that's all it is. Like, I don't think there's much more to it. All right. Would someone like to hit us with a plot summary? An artificial man who was incompletely constructed and has scissors for hands leads a solitary life. Then, one day, a suburban lady meets him and introduces him to her world. Oh, that was (laughs) very passionate. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the film opens and it shows this the, the interesting neighborhood, right, that we've talked about. So all these the same houses, these you know, pastel colored. And then there's this huge Gothic castle that's right looming above the, the town. How does that work? You know work? what's funny? Uh, yeah. I, we just watched Adam's Family, the new like Adam's Family um, animation. Yeah. And it's a very, very similar setup. I have this like, huge castle in this suburban town right below it. Is he actually doing that? Because I read somewhere that he was attached... Yeah, Tim Burton was uh, involved with the uh, Adam Family project. Oh, yeah. so. You know, so the so Diane Weiss, the Avon lady, you know, you see her do a, a couple of uh, stops, but then she goes to the castle, and I I do like the scene where you know because the castle is obviously all the dark colors, and when she steps through, and there's the interior section where you know there's bright colors, there's the topiary that Edward's been working on. I think, I think that's a nice transition. It's a it's an interesting moment where it's this idea that you know Edward has created this this nice reality inside this, this overall darker castle. And I think the contrasting colors there actually work pretty effectively. I think that's a, that's a nice moment in the movie. Well, I, I think it sort of softens it and instead of like walking, you know, like going through the gate and then going up there and everything being old, dark, foreboding and decrepit. There's yeah. this whimsy, right? It's not so scary. Right. Yeah. So it makes it less scary. Yeah, I think there's a representation of his personality there. That that's what I guess that's what I liked about it is that well, definitely you know, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's a lighter. He's a lighter mm-hmm. individual, and he has you know. There's he wants to do positive things. That's kind of the takeaway in terms of well, right? Because you know, you're thinking, reality. oh, who's doing all these whimsical topiaries? And then you see like, well, he's the only one who lives there, but he does not look like what I was expecting. So, yeah. hmm, I'm curious. And then I do like that the Avon lady does some breaking and entering. Knocks on the door, pushes it open, starts walking through. Hello? Avon calling. Hello? Hello? Oh, I'm Kate Fox. I'm your You know, where is this? Where is this set? That was my question. Uh, Florida. Well, the the, this, the the actual houses where they filmed it was Florida for yeah. sure. But where is this movie actually? 
you know, where, where no, do you think, think it's supposed to be taking place? Yeah, this I think the South. I think Florida, like no, uh, no, Orlando, no, like no, uh, it's it's quite clearly supposed to be Southern California. Burbank was, which is where Tim Burton grew up and where this is actually based yeah. on. I'm sticking with the South because I think the ambrosia salad that she brings over is definitely a Southern dish and not a, a, a California. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a Southern dish. That's a 70s dish. <laughs> it looks gross, whatever it was. Oh, would you like to know? I did some research. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would, actually. I mean, I remember this, you know, as a kid. In the in yeah. the like early seventies, so this is this screams you know because I mean this neighborhood is supposed to be like you know sixties seventies suburbia yeah. and and it, it just screams that um, and this yeah. is where Tim Burton grew up right yeah the ambrosia salad consists of fruit salad in the south fresh pineapple maybe canned mandarin oranges orange slices included with mini marshmallows and coconut. And then usually you'll use, you can use other fruits also, but then you need a dairy aspect. So usually some mayo, maybe sour cream, cream cheese, pudding, yogurt, or even cottage cheese. Sounds let's, let's, delicious. If you're lucky, let's, let's they'll, they'll sure. top it with, uh, with Cool Whip. Yeah, or make sure to get the recipe up on realdmc.com. <laughs> Marx's Ambrosia Salad. Excuse me, oh, I, have to go, I have to go vomit now. <laughs> yes, please give me some fruit mixed with mayo and cottage cheese mm-hmm. so so apparently when during that during, <laughs> and the, marshmallows. <laughs> during the barbecue scene when you know all the the housewives were like like shoveling their their dishes spoonfuls of their dishes into his mouth including that wonderful ambrosia salad um they did so many takes of it that uh, johnny depp had to vomit <laughs> in between <Yeah>. takes <laughs> he also threw up later from uh, heat exhaustion i guess when he was running down the uh the street in his Edward outfit when they were filming yeah. that. They filmed it, it five or six times in a row. No, it and did not. Up. Yeah. Um, and then what do you guys, so what do you guys think of the look? Like, what do you think of his outfit when he shows up? He looks like a Cenobite. Marcus? He looks the, like the Borg with the nice haircut. So you got Robert Smith, you know, mix in some BDSM. And then he also, there's a, there's a little bit of an influence. It feels like from some of the, was it the early 1990s uh, or late eighties superhero design? Like when Rob Liefeld, I think, was doing like the X-Men, for example, and you had straps and buckles just everywhere. <laughs> just there's a lot of that going on. He has lots of lots of buckles. Stitch punk is what it's. I don't love it overall, but I think it works fine for the character. Um, and then the Avon lady decides to kidnap him. So she's uh, you know, breaking she and entering. Him. On to, he, he's just like she found. Him. It's like she found a lost puppy and she's going to take him yeah. home. When they come home. Here's my other question. So. All of the neighbors are flipping out that she's driving down the street with this guy in her car. So is that is there is that supposed to be a commentary just in terms of neighbors being over involved, or is yeah. it just breaking up the 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 uniformity or the conformity, it, it, I guess, of the uh, suburbs? The fact that you've just got all of these gossipy neighbors. There's really nothing else to do in suburbia for bored housewives. You know, I mean, yeah. at least now there's like reality TV, but. There's nothing to do. And so, like, anything new, even, like, this obviously very strange-looking, you know, goth kid, they're just like, oh, my God, like, I need to know more. Yeah. It's, it's something breaking up the, the, the monotony of the days, right? The monotony, like just, yes. Yeah. One thing that is interesting, I think, about the early part of that is that there's, uh, it's, there's no immediate negative perception. So that, that, I think, is actually sort of interesting. And, and, you know, because I would have expected if he is uh was you know going for this idea of an outsider that was coming in that maybe there would be some 
initial resistance, but everybody's more curious than anything else. And, I, and, I, um, and amazingly accepting of him initially, which is, which is really interesting if you're talking about a story where it's about someone being isolated or unable to connect. I, I thought the same thing. And all I could think was that it was really just because it's like the thrill of something new that overrides exactly. the sort of fear or trepidation because like, Ooh, this guy, he looks dark. He's wearing all black. He looks. He might be dangerous. He's got. He's got knives for hands. For Christ's sake, he might be dangerous. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> but no, it's just like, oh my god, like our lives are so boring that I don't care what it is. I just want to know more. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I do like when you know. So they bring him home, and the the scene of him at the table where he's trying to eat the pea, and and the, that's, that's where Alan Arkin, Alan Arkin is doing is doing a good job of, you know, just I can't forget what he's talking to him about, but you see them. Him slowly raising the knives up where he has the pee. That's a good moment. That's a good gag. I did like that. So I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> like everyone had like a plate of slices of white bread like in front of them. <laughs> like, okay, I can see like, you know, a sourdough baguette or whatever. But no, this is suburbia. It's like, oh, have some bread. Is that wonder? Is that wonder bread? <laughs> something about the food. The, the food in this movie look, kind of looks a little gross. That's, well, that's it does, but that's the whole yeah. thing. That's like that era. It's it's fun. I mean, it's fun to look back at that stuff. You know. So the other thing is you have the scene where all the cars pull out at the same time, right? So again, it's reinforcing the idea of uniformity in the suburbs. One thing about the, the score use in this film is really there are parts where it's super, it feels very overbearing. Like it feels like the score is is being used as a little bit of a sledgehammer in some cases. And, and you see that when the cars are pulling out. That's one of the scenes that jump to mind where it's really loud. I mean, it's... I, I don't see this as being any different, really, than any other Tim Burton, Danny Elfman movie score. Yeah, yeah, it has, like, the fantasy aspect of it. Right. It's very distinctive. It's And it's very similar, right? I mean, a, a lot of the... To me, a yeah. lot of the Burton-Elfman collaboration, the music sounds very similar. Actually, Pee-wee's Big Adventure in this sound remarkably similar. Yeah. They're quite similar movies, too. Did you guys like Pee-wee's Big Adventure? I haven't seen it in so long. It's hard to... I remember liking it, but I don't know, like, if I would now. Same. Uh, and then, yeah, so, and then Edward goes in the back, and uh, at one point, you know, he starts cutting bushes, and so he, he takes the hedge, and he turns them into these, you know, top areas that are all pretty, you know, th those are fun to see. Like, there's one when they're, you know, driving down the street later where you see it's a, it's a series of jumping dolphins across someone's lawn. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, and apparently a lot of those, I guess, were constructed out of metal. And uh, I forget what the what the material was that they used over them. But there's some restaurant, I guess, that bought them, bought a few of them, and they're on display somewhere. Tavern on the I Green. Saw it as a trip. In, Tavern on the Green? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what they're? In yeah, New they York? were like, they, they just used chicken wire and actually, I think it's plastic. Uh, yeah. But they did a really good job because they did look real. They look cool. He's, he manages to cut hedges that are far taller than the initial hedge, or he creates top areas that are a lot taller than the well, initial bush. Yeah, that is true. So, yes. so that, that's pretty funny, right? It's like he starts working on something, and he turns around, and the dinosaur is another four feet or five feet above where the, the bush was, but whatever. Don't, that's fine. Don't overthink it. Yes, I'm not overthinking it. I am overthinking it. You have troubles with that, but then like time travel and, and infinity stones are no problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, you made that push stones. taller. It all makes it all makes perfect sense. <laughs> By the way, I, I watched those movies again, and I have to say, they're really good. The, the last two, Infinity War and Endgame, 
really, really good, I have to say. After after watching Matrix Re- Resurrections, yeah, <laughs> I really well, like the adventures. No, but much there's <laughs> like there's actually a really good emotional payoff at the end of Endgame. Agreed. What was this, let me ask this? What was this guy inventing? What was his? Because he's making he has a conveyor belt that's making cookies and chopping lettuce. But honestly, where are all those cookies going? I need that question answered. Who's he making the cookies for? I didn't I didn't see them being packaged anywhere. He eats he cookies just... and lettuce. That's that's his sustenance. He feeds no one, the no cookies to all the children that he kidnaps. Are you guys not paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Rube Goldberg well, machine. And then, and then, I mean, that's just really what it is. It's just set up to say, oh, he's an inventor. Right. He's very imaginative. And now it gives him a spark to say, like, wait a minute. Maybe I can make a man. It's kind of fun to see. You guys haven't really seen it. Nightmare Before Christmas. But a lot of those, like, there's a, they have a couple of factories in that, and they have the machines, kind of similar, similar aesthetic and similar things going on. That's, it. I mean, that's just a Tim Burton thing. It's kind of fun, and like all the machines look like the the oven look like a face, just cool. Yeah. So uh, Winona Ryder, when she comes home, so Kim comes home, and I'll say that finding Edward in your bed and then have him come walking out <laughs> down the hallway, I mean, that's nightmare fuel. <laughs> that's it, it really is. I mean, <laughs> that was a great scene, though. It, it, was, it, it was. It was very fun. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Was, he's it, screaming and they're going. The waterbed's all like, yeah, I mean, crazy. it was fun. Uh, and then I do like that the scene where he goes down. He's talking to Alan Arkin and uh, pours him some whiskey, and then he's trying to pick it up. And then he just, you know, as he's talking to me casually, puts a straw in it. I like that. It was good. Yeah, like, it, here, was, here, it was. Here's a straw. Here's a straw for your whiskey. I like that. He's not. Yeah. He's not looking at him like weird. Like he just picks up the straw, throws it in, continues talking. It's a very good moment. Yep. His lemonade. Yeah, good setup for the joke later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He does. Uh, he does get drunk, and then he's uh, offered lemonade when he's trimming hedges a little bit later. And his reaction to that is to vomit. So I did like that. <laughs> uh, Edward's first hangover. Yep. And that, one other thing I did like so was they have uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character. What's his name again? Jim, right? Jim. Yeah. So Jim. So what? What's Jim's big arc? He wants to get his own van so they can do it in the van. <laughs> That's what he, and so he's, he's reach he's for the stars, to, Jim. Reach for the stars. <laughs> Sounds like a plot out of that '70s show, right? It's very, <laughs> it's on point. There's a great moment where you know the Alan Arkin asks him a question, and he says, "You can't buy a car with cookies." And the way Anthony Michael Hall answers that is like, "No, sir, you can't." Uh, I got a very strong sixteen candles flashback at that moment, <laughs> just when uh, you know at the end, it's like, "Is your dad a big man, Jake?" Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a. Uh, so that was just kind of fun to see. It was fun to see a little bit of the old Anthony Michael Hall just for a brief moment there. Uh, and then, yeah, so that moves on to, you know, Ed starts cutting people's hair. Uh, and then he's interviewed on local TV. And one thing that I thought was interesting about that is, well, so one thing that's funny is you had, was it, uh, is that John, John Davidson, right? John he Davidson, the, uh, yeah. He, what, he, was he one of the guys on That's Incredible? He was, he was he? yeah. That's what I was trying to look at. Like, what do I remember John Davidson from? And yeah, part of it was that's incredible. I think he went on to host like the new, the new Hollywood Squares later on. He's yeah. just done so much TV and game shows. But yeah, that's incredible with um, who is it? Mary Kathy Lee, Cros- Lee Gifford. No, Mary Lee Crosby. No, Mary- Kathy Lee Gifford. No, not Kathy Lee Gifford. Yeah, Kathy Lee Crosby. I think Kathy Lee Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Lee Wood. Hey, we, we got there Mary it Gifford effort. It was Mary Gifford And Fran Tarkenton? Really? Anyways Was it Fran Tarkenton? Wow hey. 
But here's my question here is somebody in the audience asked me if he has a girlfriend. And his, his response to that is just to stare at the camera. So do you think at that point, what, what had been done that he was actually attracted to Kim at that point? I guess that was that, that the, the Kim Edward, you know, uh, relationship seems forced and unearned, I guess, which is one of my problems with the movie. I mean, it just started off when uh, Peg showed Edward pictures of her family when they first went to her house. And she looked, you know, I don't know, prom photo and her graduation right. photo, whatever. And she just looked like, I don't know, an angel. Which she does. This is someone, so this is like beauty that he's never seen before. So he's his heart is immediately captured, I think. I think that's really all that it is. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they go through the process of uh, Edward cutting the hair and... Here's another thing. The, the resulting haircuts I find annoying. Of course. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a, women walking around with a lot of odd haircuts. The first ones were like, oh, so new and interesting. And then the other ones got like, well, a little, crazier, little more crazier. interesting. A little more interesting. Progressively weirder. They're just out there. And I it's think people different. are like, yeah. well, it's this new. is new. It's different. Yeah. No one's seen this before. Right. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like, it's not mundane. Like, they're normal lives. Anything else you want to say about the haircuts? Not really. That's fun. Like the dogs. Yeah, the, the dogs are fun. I, yeah, there's a certain, you know, I, I kind of like it. And then there's a few scenes where you know he's doing the 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 rapid fire, you know, knife thing, and you see the stuff flying in the air. It's a, that's a it's a fun effect. When he's doing it on the ice, basically what you see though is you see like a snowblower or whatever behind it that's just like shooting snow out from where he's doing it. So it's <laughs> It's you know it's I think it works better with the hair and the and the oh just go with it Dave. Hair stuff. <laughs> this is this is where she sexually assaults a man child. That's what happens here. She seduces him. She doesn't assault him. She's she she fails to seduce him all the way. Yeah. By the way, that that Joyce was one horny woman. So yeah, <laughs> first she was going after the repair dude in the beginning, and then Edward. She she she's the quintessential horny housewife. Right. Yes. And then I guess they get to the heist. So the, the one thing about the heist, so it is, I do think that putting him in the outfit where he has the baseball hat and, you know, everybody, everybody's dressed in all black for the, for the raid. I think that's kind of funny. I do, I do like the look of him in the, in the baseball hat. I think it's kind of goofy, but it's fun. When you said that he looked very funny in his baseball cap, it's, it's kind of like if you took, um, well, like a goth kid, right? And you just put him, like, you had to go to a funeral, you put him in a, like a, like a business yeah, yeah. suit, right? And, but he still had all his makeup and hair on. It's very <laughs> funny looking. It's sort of the same thing. By the way, let me say, Jim, huge dick, right? Which is one of the reasons why they set this up as a story beat to just reinforce what a what a dick bag this guy is because they obviously just abandoned Edward and then he goes to spend the night in jail. And what do you think was up with the, the character arc for the cop? Like, what, what was that about? Because the cop is the one who, you know, kind of helps him, you know, sort of get away at the end. And shoots his gun in the air and then leaves, but I couldn't really, I couldn't quite figure that out. Like, what, what's your take on his relationship with the with the? Well, he knows what it is to be an outsider. I mean, he's the black cop, the only black cop in the white police department, and he knows, like, he can smell the bullshit, and he's like, this kid needs a break. Yeah, that's okay. I'll go with that. Interesting take on it. 
Well, but then so the, here's but here's the thing that you know, getting back to the character motivations, right? So when he when he gets home, so one of the things that they have, uh, you know, Kim say when she goes up to him is that she says, you know, I tried to make Jim go back, but you can't make Jim do anything. And this is one of the one of the things I, I really don't like about this movie is they give her character no agency whatsoever, right? So she's basically just she's a high know, school at, cheerleader in the nineteen in like nineteen ninety. She has no agency. Yeah, but I mean, just I don't know. It, it's like nineteen seventy, really, in the movie. You know, I, and then I don't necessarily love the 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 quick character turn for Edward, right? Because I forget, like, what is it from that moment? That's when he starts scratching the walls with his knives, and he's cutting up things in the bathroom, and it's a little bit of a quick turn, and I, I, it just makes me, I, you know, concerned about having somebody with knives for hands that <laughs> has a temper problem in your house. Well, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I I buy it. He he's genuinely hurt. And now angry. There, this is the nice. There is a nice moment where he's cutting. You know, he's doing some uh, ice sculpting, and you see the. It's, it's probably maybe. I, I'd imagine if you were asking people about, oh, what do you remember about this movie? I'd imagine it's probably this scene mostly. You know, aside from you know the weirdo with the knives for fingers. But uh, if you move past that, <laughs> the, <it> would, <laughs> the weirdo with the knives for fingers. Right, but, but if you move past that, it's probably the. The scene with, you know, I think it's called the ice dance. Or I saw it referred to as the ice dance when I was researching the movie, but um, it is a nice moment, right? It's, it's magical. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. She, I mean, Winona looks great in that moment. The the way that the snow is coming down, it's it's very pretty. It's a nice moment. It is. It, it really is. It's a fairy tale. That's why. Yeah. But that's the tragedy of it all, too, right? Like, oh, he, you know, he slips up and... Yeah, that's... Then a lot of it just seems so hackneyed in, in terms of the, oh, well, he accidentally cut her and everyone assumes that he you know, was violent against her and then they all turn on him. And it's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I, just, I, don't, that's, I have just, a real hard just, time. It's just meant to rile up your emotions. Right. Yeah. What is it? Like the last 45 minutes of love story and then everyone turns on him. It seems very quick. Yeah. And it's just really meant to toy with your emotions. And so from that perspective, I don't really like it that much. This is where the movie sort of sort of goes downhill for me. It's very it's very it's very forced, right? And of course, you know, now you have a situation where against his will, he was put into a situation where he's you know, he's a burglar, he's a rapist, and now he's cutting people left and right in town. And one thing I like about that is that uh yeah. So Diane Weist has this moment where she's sitting down on the couch and she's like, you know, I didn't think I, I didn't think this through in terms of bringing this guy into my house. Like, really? And says that you're having this revelation now. So, uh, yeah, I did. And that, that I thought was pretty funny. Well, it's kind of funny because I, I, I watched that scene and I started sort of thinking, oh, this is the scene where the point is made. Like people come to terms with their previous actions. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And it is sort of interesting in that you've got this very sort of simple, idyllic life in the suburbs. And life ain't that way. It's not really that way. Because all you need to do is introduce some level of disruption into your idyllic, in your idyllic life. And literally chaos could ensue. And that's sort of what happens here. Um, and I do, but one thing I do really like though, so he gets, you know, when he gets frustrated and he storms out of the house, I do think that the the practical effect of him shredding off his clothes, I think that's actually done 
pretty creatively. I think that's that's a, a pretty Im- impressive piece of costuming work. I think. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, just, I mean, the, I mean, like the mechanics of having it all come apart and then you know falling no, really, yeah. as he's walking. I, th- I think it's actually really impressive. Yeah, I think it's well done. Yeah. 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 And the symbolism too is is quite good. Of course, he's 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 shredding his the facade that he put on because he's still the outsider. Yeah, I liked him going by the topiary too, and just like swipes off a leg of the uh, dinosaur too. Yeah, and then it's like I'm yeah. calling the police, and I'm thinking like, Karen, <laughs> old Karen, old town with Karen. Well, and and I, you know, I did like the moment where he sat down on the curb, and the dog comes up next to him. That was a very sweet little moment where he yeah. he cuts like, the dog's hair so the dog can see, and the dog gives him a little lick, and then goes goes back into the house. So see, that that was a nice moment. Cute. Only the sweet and innocent amongst us know his true self. Although when he, so he goes back to the house and this is another moment that is just, I I don't think this is earned, right? Because all of a sudden, all of a sudden she says, you know, hold me. And he says, I can't. And then he, you know, she goes over there and wraps his arms around her. And and I just think that's a pretty, you know, abrupt shift of her, you know, going from, you know, being cut in the backyard. I don't see it as like a, a true love thing either. I think it's just more of a friendship and like, you know, hey, you've been wronged. She never wanted him to go along anyways. She wanted to go back. She was like. He was put in a terrible situation, and like she just feels bad for it, so she's just giving him a hug for that. That's the thing. Think, but, but I don't think. Fifteen minutes it, later, fifteen minutes later, she's telling him that she loves him, though. Is this like sexual love here, or is yeah, it more a, like innocent true love type of thing? That's what I think. I don't think it's a romantic love. I don't even think it's a true love type of thing. I think it's more. Yeah, of a, I don't think so. I recognize you as a as a wonderful person. And I, yep. you know, like, I see your heart or something like that. Because, I mean, let's face it, is Edward fully functional? Probably not. Well, I don't think I, so. I, don't. I think, I think there well, is one more thing that the inventor forgot to put on him. <laughs> well, I guess the question would be, if the inventor was adding a penis to Edward, what was the purpose? <laughs> That's a fair question. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So, uh, by the way, so one, one other thing that happens here, and you get one more flashback to where the inventor is, and this is where you see the death of the inventor because he had the hands for Edward, and then he collapses, and Edward puts his, uh, puts the, I want to keep calling him claws, but <laughs> he puts the scissors through the hands, and then as Vincent Price is down on the ground, I guess, is he just trying to check and see if he's alive? Is that what he's trying to do? And then he cuts his face? Is that what he's doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's almost like he's trying to. He's just like you would normally. You you might do like you would just touch him tenderly, knowing that is he dead? Is he? And then of course he just cuts him. Uh, This is the tragedy of Edward. He's a sweet soul, and he wants closeness, but he can't have it. But I, I did. I really liked that particular scene. He's just about to get these hands, and then. Yeah, the hands just like fall through his his knives and are destroyed. It's it's just it's a it's a good scene. It carries a lot of emotional impact. The other thing I like about that scene too is there's a moment where you see him and he raises up the the scissors in front and they're now covered with blood. At least three or four of them have on there. And the look that Edward has on his face, like that moment, could be the birth of a serial killer if you look at it differently. If it was a different movie. <laughs> if you look at it like you might look at it, yes. The, the way that I looked at it, no. No? No. Uh, yeah, then um, Edward goes for a run back to the castle. 
And <laughs> we mentioned this before, but... By the way, the, the, the police, like, she says to him, ultimately, like, run, right? And so he runs back to the castle. Yeah. And the police, who is the same cop as before, he's, he's like, going after him, chasing after him at, like, 10 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm just, I'm really just going through the motions here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so he chases the guy up. He fires his gun four times. So, you know, it's as if he shot the guy. And then, so you, there would be a body laying there, right? And he just like jumps in his squad car. He's like, all right, see you guys later. <laughs> I'm not quite sure exactly what the police officer character is due from a story arc standpoint. It just seems strange to me. He's like the only person who kind of understands him and is on his side. Uh, and then Jim runs into the castle. They have their fight. And it's pretty interesting because apparently uh, in the, I guess it was the European release for this, they had to edit out the number of times that uh, Anthony Michael Hall was beating on him with the crowbar. They had to lessen the, the number of shots because they, they deemed that it was too violent. Um, this, this is a pretty serious beatdown that he puts on Edward, definitely. It's, it's, it's a surprisingly savage attack for this movie. Yeah, so. it, it'd be tough. So Good thing he's wearing leather. I mean, this is interesting because, you know, Jim is quite clearly, like, right. trying to, like, kill him with a crowbar. Uh, yeah. And yet, even though Jim subsequently is killed by Edward, um, a lot of people in the audience were just shocked and felt like the whole tone of the film changed. And I, I did, too. I was actually quite surprised yeah. at that. Um, yeah, I totally forgot that he was killed. Yeah, because that just doesn't seem like... Edward, but then again, like, I was beating him to death with a crowbar, so, yeah. yeah. Also, this moment, I'm a little like, mm, okay, 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 it's a fairy tale, but really, it's like the villagers, I'm sorry, the neighbors, essentially, they're like, oh, geez, they both died, Jim and Edward are dead. Let's go back to the Christmas party. And I guess I'm just going to go home now, maybe watch, maybe, maybe watch some TV, like, like, it's just... <laughs> They just all turn around and like, oh, well, I guess we're good. I guess we're done here. The idea is at the end that Edward sits in the castle and does ice ice sculpting, which creates snow that drifts down upon the town, right? And then what what is the I guess what's the conclusion of the story to the kid in the bed? That there's snow. Like that's where the snow comes from. Yeah, uh, it's a fairy tale. All right. So anything else you guys would like to discuss, or any key scenes from the movie that you would like to hit? No, I I think. I think we sort of covered everything. I just had one more question before we move on to the... Now, I know that your wife has a little somewhat secondary history with Winona yes, Ryder. she appears next to Winona Ryder in the yearbook, their freshman yearbook, I believe. All right. Um, you have a story about Noni getting beaten up in the seventh grade? It's in the trivia. I mean, and Winona Ryder has commented on this in multiple interviews, so... Yes, apparently somebody uh, gave her what for in the seventh grade. and uh, Like like beat her up in the bathroom? Yeah, something like that. And then she came back to Petaluma and encountered that person in a coffee shop and then told her to fuck off. And that was a moment of uh, redemption. Or not redemption, re revenge, I should say. And was that girl actually your dear wife? No, it was not <laughs> my, my wife. Because I've always wondered. That, always wondered. that. My wife was not responsible for beating up one on a rider in seventh grade. All right. Although, I just wanted to clear the air on that. Yes. Yes. It's not her. Nope. She she held the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was the lookout. 
Okay, well, let me ask you this, guys. Colin, what did you, what did you learn from this movie? Well, aside from the fact that I prefer Winona Ryder as a brunette, uh, I learned that if you're an oddball that nobody likes, just give it some time, and you too could become very successful, rich, and famous, perhaps even be Oscar-nominated and smoking hot. So stay weird, weirdos. Stay weird. That was a very... Yeah, I'm I feel inspired. very inspired at the moment. Yeah. So, Marcus, what do you got? What'd you learn? I learned it's very hard to eat peas with scissors for hands. That's a good one. Uh, my general takeaway was, you know, don't bring home weirdos that have weapons for hands and keep them in your house because bad things can happen. All right. Well, I think that brings us to closing thoughts. This movie's like a very weird fairy tale. I, I think it's sweet. It's also a little bittersweet in terms of a romance personally don't care too much for tim burton's like sort of whimsical gothic tales um though i do like a good fish out of water outsider storyline i think that johnny depp is really really good you think he really sells the character here Uh, even though edward is not a character that i'm particularly drawn to Um, i'm also not really drawn to kim's character but it's one hood writer so you know watch it anyway (laughs) And it is sort of interesting to see this sort of like, you know, slice of 60s and 70s, you know, monotony or suburban banality, ambrosia salad. But really, (laughs) that's about it. There's not a lot really I can say about this movie. I liked it, but I didn't love it. It's not something I'm going to rewatch over and over again. Ultimately, I give it like probably a B, B minus as a grade. Marcus. My thoughts. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was, I hadn't seen it in quite a while and I wasn't quite sure that I would enjoy the movie. I thought it was going to be a lot more goofy and it wasn't. I thought it was, it was, it was interesting. It's a nice fairy tale, which I don't remember thinking it, watching it the first time, you know, 30 years ago. I don't think I thought of it as a fairy tale or a fantasy or, but now it's definitely like, it's just a, just a fun kind of whimsical, kind of goofy, kind of absurd, but you just kind of let it go and, and and enjoy it. The the look of suburbia and the look of all the the, the scenes and stuff I thought were done well. And uh, yeah, overall, I, I I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it's like a great movie or anything, but it's definitely worth watching. Uh, I would give it a solid B. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, start by saying I'll summarize by saying that this movie just drives me batshit crazy when I, when I watch it. It just it just drives me up the wall. Um, however, that's just my personal reaction to this movie, and it is not. It is not a statement on the overall quality of the movie. I think this is a um, an impressively put together film. I think that the um, the character design is actually very interesting. I think a lot of the the visuals and you know sort of the overall aesthetic that gets created is actually very creative, very interesting. The color palette is very aggressive. Uh, scores is I think the score is actually pretty good. I think the score is. Not used to great effect, though, because I think it's a little bit too loud in some places, honestly. I think it's just overbearing, uh, but I think if it has a, a solid score. it's too loud, you're too old. Okay. Yeah, well, I think that's <laughs> probably it, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really understand the the broad affection for this film, I guess, ultimately, in terms of the idea that it's uh, like whimsical or fairy tale, because it's basically, you know, it, it leads to a guy getting stabbed and then thrown out of a window at the end, and then, hey, call it, and it's happy movie over. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think that the characters... The, the, the character arcs, or I don't think the characters really have much of an arc at all. Uh, and I don't buy the love proclamation at the end. And I just think it feels 
super forced. Um, but ultimately for me, I now have seen this movie twice and I'm good. We can, we can call it a career on watching Edward Scissorhands for me personally. I just, you know, look, it's not about the movie. I mean, I will give this movie a B. That's the grade I'll give this movie because I think it's actually a good movie. <laughs> Shot. I, think, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to judge this objectively a little bit as well. I'm just saying that subjectively what, what for me. What happened to the rest of the podcast? Well, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am trying to be, you know, fair to it ultimately. I mean, I think it's a very, I think there's a lot here that is interesting and I think a lot of people will probably like it. It's just for me personally, it, it packs together everything I don't like about movies in, in a nice, you know, emo package and it just throws up all over me. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm good. I, I saw it twice, never need to see it again. I'm going to be Marcus for a second. God, I hated this movie. I give it a B. <laughs> All right, on the natural born killers scale, would you rather see natural born killers or Edward Oh, 100% Scissors natural born killers, 100%. It's not even a question. All right, it's above two movies now that we've watched. I would <laughs> I would rather rewatch The Matrix Resurrections. Well, no, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely watching okay, so uh, Edward one, one and one. Like you had NBK oh, really? above uh, Matrix Resurrections, right? Yeah, no, I, so no, I would go I would go um, natural born killers. Matrix Resurrections, and then Edward Scissorhands. Right now, this one's at the bottom of my list for a rewatch of anything we've done. Wow. All right. Uh, I'm good with this. You guys good with this? Anything else you guys want to say? No. No. Better right. than I expected. No. Yeah. Enjoy Edward Scissorhands if you can. And uh, this is the Real <laughs> DMC Podcast signing off. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. And uh, if he has if he has to take a shit, how does he wipe his ass? <laughs>